Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, we're, of course, continuing our study of the life of Jesus as seen through the eyes of Matthew. And it's a great gospel, a great gospel account that Matthew declares Jesus of Nazareth. He declares that he is indeed the King of the Jews, the Messiah, the Savior, the God-man. That's who he is. This morning, it's a great event. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew does not give us the details that Luke does. We'll talk a little bit about it, but each of the Gospels, as you know, presents them in different ways, and today we're going to see how Matthew presents it, and he does it by showing some prophecies and, and fulfillments and those kind of things. Now, last time we saw the background concerning Jesus and how he qualifies to be the king because he's the son of David and he's the son of Abraham. Well, this morning, we're going to see the birth of the king, so some great things. Now, Everybody wants their church to grow. I mean, let me think about it. We'd say, do you want our church to grow? Yeah, we want our church to grow. There are really two kind of growths that you see in the Bible. One is spiritual growth. The other is numerical. And in most of the passages, it's talking about spiritual growth. When you look in Ephesians chapter 4, and he talks about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, build up the body of Christ and all that, we're talking about spiritual growth there. But there is numerical growth, and we'd love numerical growth as we lead people to Christ and train them in that. And, and a church can grow numerically in a number of ways. One is that people move, move in from other places, and then sometimes people trust Christ, or we lead people to Christ and bring them in, and sometimes it's the birth of children. <laughs> We've had that, and let's think about the birth of children for just a second. We all love the little ones. I mean, when you look at them, and especially little babies, we, 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 we love it, and, and, and you think about the names of children. Now, I'm going to say something. I think about my oldest daughter is Catherine, and her name's Catherine Elizabeth, and when we got ready to have her, I said, okay, my two favorite girl names are Catherine and Elizabeth. And then we had Sarah. And so Sarah's got three names because Catherine named her Sarah and Jean named her Emily and I named her Gray. And by the way, I don't want to say that this is Sarah's birthday today, but don't do anything. But anyway, she told me not to say that. Don't say anything. That names are so important. The Bible names reveal a lot about the character of the person. Think about this. Abram, that meant big daddy. And then his name was changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Jacob, his name meant deceiver. His name was changed to Israel, which means prince of God. Moses' name literally means to draw out because he was drawn out of the water. Solomon's name means peace. Samuel's name means ask of God. Zechariah actually means the Lord saves. And Peter, the name Peter is Petra, means rock. So this morning, we're going to see the birth of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that he's given a name but there's also a title involved as well. So we find that, that he's going to have a personal name, Jesus, but he's going to have a title in this passage, which is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. So today, the birth of Jesus. And so let, let's look at it, and we're going to look at the passage. We saw last time the genealogy was the first 17 verses, basically. And then in verses 18 through 25, which is where we are this morning, we see the birth of the king. And so if, and we saw last time, this was so powerful. If you just want to flip back to verse 1, my Bible, it's on two different pages, but if you go back to verse 1 of Matthew, it says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now we saw at the very beginning of the book that if he's going to be the king of the Jews, He's got to be a descendant of David because David was the promised king. And then we've got to be a descendant of Abraham because Abraham's Jewish. So if you're going to be the Jewish king, he, you've got to be a descendant of Abraham and David. And he is, indeed is. And we saw last week as we tri uh, went through the genealogy, went pretty fast and picked some of the main names out. And so this morning we're going to see the birth 
the birth of the king, the birth of the Messiah. He's born of a virgin. There's a reason for that, and we'll talk about it. As we begin, let me throw some questions out, okay, for us to think about. First of all, the birth of Jesus. Why is his name Jesus? Okay? Okay, the second is, what is Joseph's plan when he finds out about Mary? Joseph has a plan, and we'll see what it is. What does the angel say this child will do? Talking about Jesus, and where is this prophecy found? And then what does Joseph do? We're going to find out that he had a plan, but he doesn't follow his plan, and we'll see what happens. So let's see the coming of the birth of the king. So look at verse 18. Notice how uh, Matthew writes this. He says, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, he writes this out, and Matthew says, he's already given us the background, the first 17 verses with the genealogy, and he's told us in the background that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Now, in verse 18, he says, now I want to show you how the birth came about. Here's how the birth of Jesus Christ was follows. Now, he wants us to know that. We know in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. So at exactly the right time, Jesus Christ was born into this world, and God brought forth his son born of a woman. Now, you know the famous story. It's found in Luke, and there was, there, was, there was Mary and Joseph, and they were in Nazareth, and the decree went out that they had to all go to their hometowns to be registered, and since both Mary and Joseph were a descendant of, uh, basically a descendant, uh, a descendant of David, they left the northern part of Israel, Nazareth, and went all the way down to the south to Bethlehem, and they were there, and while they were there, a baby was born, Jesus was born, the baby, and that night, remember, there were shepherds out in the fields, and an angel of the Lord came and said, I give you good news of great joy to all people, for born this day in the city of David is the Savior Christ the Lord, you shall find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and then other angels came, and they're all uh, shouting out, and it was just an amazing thing, and that was the birth that you see in Luke, but Matthew doesn't go into that kind of details. Matthew doesn't tell us that. Here's what he tells us. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about betrothed. Because in that culture, in the Jewish culture, betrothed was the same as engaged, but to be engaged in that culture was the same in a sense to be married. If you wanted to break the engagement, you had to get a divorce. So once people made a decision that they were going to be together and they were engaged, it was a very serious thing. Now, let me explain to you that you may have heard me teach this before, but it's really neat. How did they do it in that day? Well, in that day, they, people didn't date and go to the malt shop and sit around and he'd say, oh, I like that guy and she, I like this girl. What really happened is the fathers would look around and sometimes a daughter might say, oh, I like Mr. Johnson's son, or I like this or this. And so sometimes the dads would get together and they'd say, I think my son and your daughter would make a good match. And sometimes even in the, the town, there would be a matchmaker, a person who actually looked around at young people and tried to match them up. And that's kind of a Jewish culture. And so here's what would happen. So this, you're the guy, let's say we're the guy, and we're supposed to get matched up with a daughter of some, some and we say, that's what I want to do. So what you would do is you would go to their house and you took money. You took money. And you, it was a down payment, so to speak. And you gave the money to the girl's father. She's not in the room. When you first come in, you give the money. Then the girl comes in the room. And then you take two cups, two, and you take a little wine, and you pour it in both cups. And you look at her. If she drinks when you drink, she's saying yes. If she goes out... She's saying no. So you want her to drink, right? Okay, now, here's the deal. It, 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 when she would drink, 
he would say to her, oh, great. Okay, it's good. good. I'm, I'm going to my father's house and prepare a room for us. Because in that culture, they didn't go to an apartment. They, they went back and they built a room on to where his daddy and mama lived. And so she would come live with them. So he would go back and build a room. And then they would they'd get married and then they would live there. That's how they did it. Now, if you, you've already noticed the symbolism. Because as the man would come and have the wine, and she would say yes, and he would say, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place, and when it gets it ready, what's going to happen? I'm going to come get you. What does that sound like? That sounds like John. And that's what Jesus said. When Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many what? There are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I told you. I've got to prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. Because, see, Jesus Christ is our groom. We're the bride of Christ, the church. And so what Jesus Christ does is he sheds his blood for us. And when we take Jesus and say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, you're taking the drink and you're saying, I'm trusting Jesus. And he said to us, I'm going to go get a place ready for you. And when I get it all ready, I'll come back and get you. So at some point, Mary and Joseph went through that little ritual and now they're engaged. And they're engaged. And and let me tell you, if if all of a sudden they're not going to be engaged, there had to be a divorce. Now, something happened. They had not, it says they had not come together, and she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know what happened. God, the Holy Spirit, came upon Mary, and she's going to have a baby, and the baby is the Savior of the world. And you remember, we're not turning there, but remember in the book of Luke, when Mary was there, and suddenly Gabriel, the angel, appeared, and she was scared, and he said, don't be afraid, Uh, you're going to have a child, and the child is going to be the king, And, and he actually said he'll have a kingdom and a house and a throne, and he actually quotes from 2 Samuel chapter 7, where the promise to King David, but King David would have a son who would be the Messiah and the Savior, and of course she said, how can this be since I, I don't, I'm not, no, have a man. I mean, I'm not married yet. I'm not, and she, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and that will be, that child will be the Son of God. And you remember, said that that child would be the descendant of David, and the promise to David would be there would be a house, and there would be a throne, and there would be a kingdom. Here's what the angel told Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33. He says, this child will be great. He'll be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That's exactly the quote from 2 Samuel. So when Gabriel came to Mary, he told her, this boy, this baby is going to fulfill the promises. He will be the king of the world, the Messiah and the Savior. He'll sit on the throne of Israel as the king. But what happened? She said something like, wow, this is kind of big. And he said, oh yeah, listen, nothing. Uh, Your cousin, Elizabeth, who's way old, she's six months pregnant right now. And Mary went, well, I don't know. So she left. Mary leaves and goes to southern Israel and finds Elizabeth. And she stays with Elizabeth for three months until Elizabeth has a baby. And that baby is named John the Baptist. After the three months, she comes back. But guess what? She's three months pregnant. Now, you're Joseph. And the one you're betrothed to said, I'm going to leave and go visit my cousin Elizabeth. I'll be back. So she's gone for three months, but when she comes back, she's pregnant. And you go, where did you say you were going? Yeah, I've kind of lost the translation here. What do you mean you're going? And so all of a sudden, she's come back pregnant. 
Well, what does he think? And what does anybody else think? Well, everybody else thinks, well, oh my gracious, look at that woman. Because see, in that, that culture, um, wasn't quite as prevalent as it is today. And when people had sexual relations outside marriage, it, there, there were some consequences in the Jewish culture. And so, Joseph said, I've got to make a decision. So look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not plan, he did not want to disgrace her. He planned to send her away secretly. Now, let me show you something. That, that He didn't want to disgrace her. Because see, what he had to do, remember, if you're going to break this thing off, what do you got to get? Got to get a divorce. Now, publicly, he could bring her in front of the leadership, the Sanhedrin, the culture, and say, she was betrothed to me, she disappeared, she's pregnant, and under Mosaic law, she could be put to death. But he didn't want to do that because he loves her. And he said, I'm just... I'm just not going to make this a big deal. I'm going to put her away privately. We won't make this a public deal where I bring her in front of everybody. I'm just going to let this go. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to let her go. She can go on with her life. I'll go on with my life. But, verse 20, but we need to consider this. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, while he, when it says when he had considered this, literally in the Greek, it's while he was considering this. He's still thinking through this. He hadn't decided exactly what he's going to do. It says an angel appeared to Joseph. Now, four times... In Matthew, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream four different times. So here's one. Here's the first one. This angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And what did the angel say? It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now the angel says, don't be afraid to marry her. She's not unfaithful to you. It's not what you think. This is from God. This is from the Holy Spirit. She's not sinned. This is God using her to bring the Messiah. For the child that has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is God doing this. And he may even have thought, wait a minute, the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the son of David, is that what he's talking about? And, and so, who knows? And, but I want you to notice something. What did this angel call Joseph. What does the verse say? Joseph, son of David. He does it on purpose. He's reminding David. Who, I mean, excuse me, uh, Joseph said, son of David. He's reminding Joseph, who are you? You're a descendant of King David. This child is going to be the king and the Messiah of the world. That's who you are, Joseph. Notice the details. She shall bear a son, verse 21. You will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. His name is Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah's salvation. This is, this is a personal name. Yeshua is what it really is. It's the same name as Joshua. If your name is Joshua, you have the same name as Jesus. Joshua, Yeshua, is, that's a Hebrew name. And so Jesus and Joshua is the same name. And you're going to name him Jesus? Because he shall save his people from their sins. And by the way, the way it's written in the Greek, it's very strong. It says, he is the one who will save his people 
from their sins. Not from, it's not going to save them from the Romans or from heartache or from famine, but from sin. This is the child promise. This is the seed of woman who will crush the head of the serpent. This is the seed of Abraham, all the world will be blessed. This is the son of David who is the Messiah and the king. This is not just a child. This child is the Savior and the king. And by the way, we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. Because see, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isn't that true? Every one of us in this room have come short of the glory of God. And let me tell you, let me tell you how sinful we all are, okay? First of all, we got imputed sin. That means Adam's sin. Now, you may not understand this, but the Bible tells us that when Adam sinned, that sin was passed to every human being that has a father. Okay? Passed down. Romans 5.12 is through one man sin into the world and death by sin and death passed upon all for all sin. Every one of us in this room have a sin on our account when we come into this world and it's ate fruit. You hate fruit because Adam's sin is imputed to us. We also have inherit sin, which means we've inherited a nature, a capacity. The Bible calls it the flesh of the old man. We have a capacity to sin. We don't teach children to do wrong. We teach children to what? Do right. They naturally do wrong. We naturally do wrong because we have that. That's how we come into this world. And then we have personal sins. We choose to do wrong. And the wages of sin is death. So we come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's why he said, you shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Yeshua. You shall call him that. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and he rose again to conquer death. And any human being that will put their faith in him will have eternal life. Jesus was sent into this world as the Savior of the world. Matthew's presenting him as, right here as the King and the Savior. This is the birth of the King. But he's making the point that he is the Savior. Every one of us in this room need a Savior. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, your only way to be saved is through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He died for you. He paid for your sins. He rose again, conquering death. And he gives you a gift, the gift of eternal life. And it's simply by faith. So he says, she'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, to make sure he understands, man, he's going to show that this feels, fulfills a prophecy. Look at verse 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. He said, this is, this is what a prophecy that God gave. Now, by the way, the prophecies that God gave, do you know there were over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament dealing with the Messiah, dealing with the first coming of Jesus Christ? He's going to come a second time as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's all kind of prophecies about that. Guess what? Every one of them will be fulfilled as well. Here's the prophecy, and he quotes in verse 23. He quotes Isaiah 7:14. Here's what it says: "Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us." So there's going to be a virgin. She's the virgin. The Old Testament word for virgin was Alma. It meant a virgin, unmarried woman. New Testament word was Parthenos. You've heard of the Greek Parthenon? The Parthenon, that's a Greek word for virgin. The Parthenon was where there were a bunch of virgins, but they really weren't virgins, they were prostitutes. Okay, but they called it the Parthenon. And so the Greek word for virgin is Parthenos. And so it says here, the virgin, the Parthenos, 
will have a child, bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. His personal name is Jesus, but his title is Emmanuel. And the name Emmanuel actually means God with us because they're emphasizing the fact that this baby born in the world is God who is now with us. He's God who has taken on flesh. And we mentioned it when we did the Lord's Supper a while ago that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is God who became a person. So this baby born in Matthew chapter 1 is God who is a person. And he has come to save mankind. The perfect man has come to be the substitute to pay for our sins. And by the way, when you think about Jesus, Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good man. He was not just a rabbi. But he is born of the virgin. He is God. Isaiah 9, 6 says he's the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. And Micah chapter 5, verse 2, not only was he born in Bethlehem, but he's always existed. So God brings the only begotten Son into the world. And Joseph is told, don't be afraid take this. Don't be afraid to marry her. This child that's coming is the king of the world and the savior of the world. What did he do? He obeyed. Joseph obeyed the word of the Lord by the angel. And that's what Joseph is characterized by. He's not mentioned hardly in the the Bible. He never says a word, by the way. Never says a word. Read it. You'll see that every time an angel comes to him in the dream and he does what the angel tells him to do because he obeys God. And that's what you and I want to be known for. We want to be people who obey God, who live according to the word of God. Well, look what he did. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He did exactly what God told him to do, what the angel told him to do, and he obeyed just as as he should have. And notice what it goes on to say. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So when you look at this, he he basically kept her virgin until the birth. There are all kind of traditions and rumors and everything, and there's some people who teach that Mary Mary never had sexual relations, that she was a virgin all all of her life. But when you read the scripture, uh, Jesus had uh, four brothers and at least half brothers and at least two sisters. We know that. Because the scripture tells us. And so when the the people who believe that she was a virgin forever says those really weren't his brothers and sisters. They were cousins or something. And Joseph and Mary just kind of brought him into their home. But uh, that's what it says. Uh, Anyway, he did keep her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. So what did he do? He married Mary. And he named the son Jesus. Exactly what the angel told him to do. In Luke chapter 2, that night... Angels came and said, I give you good news of great joy to all people born this day in the city of David as a Savior, Christ the Lord. That's who he is. Matthew doesn't go to that details. He just says, in fact, he wants, us, he wants to emphasize what Joseph, the son of David, did to bring in the Messiah and the King. So what have we seen? Mary was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit before she came together with Joseph. They wanted, he wanted to put her away, but the angel came and said, this is from God. His name is Jesus. It fulfills the Old Testament passage. And so Joseph obeyed God, married her, and named him Jesus. So let's, let's make some applications quickly. Let, let's obey God's word. Simply put, let's live by the scripture. When you think about it, we base our lives on the actions and desires of the word of God. And Joseph... Obey God. We're to obey God. What did Joseph do? He married Mary and named the son Jesus, exactly what he was told to do. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live by the Scripture. The second thing, let's trust in God's Word. It's the truth. Think of all the prophecies and the promises and everything that we see. We're reading Matthew chapter 2, and every one of us say, Oh, I know this story. This is true. 
This is not just a story. This is true. And we think about God, the prophecies that he made all about the Messiah and the Savior, the promises that he made about the fact that the Messiah would be the Savior of the world. So let's trust the Bible. And last but not least, let's proclaim Jesus Christ as the Savior. That's who he is. He is the God-man. He is Emmanuel, which is God with us. He is God who became flesh. He indeed is the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus, which means Savior. And in Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except Jesus. And John 14.6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we have the Savior of the world. Let's proclaim him.